Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you are God. We thank you, God, that we can come here and we can pursue your presence, Lord. We thank you, God, that you are not some stone idol or some imaginary idea, but that you are real and true and you desire a people that pursue you. God, I pray today as we go into your word that you would speak to our hearts, that we would leave transformed by your word, Lord God. We ask you just to have your way, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. The title of my message today is Pursuit of His Presence. Pursuit of His Presence. Our faith should be a faith of longing. Eugene Peterson, who is a famous Christian writer, he's written some powerful devotions, said Christian spirituality is not a life project for becoming a better person. Our faith is to be a faith of longing. If you study the scriptures, the picture you see is a God lovingly creating people, those people rejecting that God through sin, and that God pursuing a relationship with them again. God longing for us, and people longing for God. When I came to faith back in the late 90s, you know, I had been raised in the church my whole life, practically born in the pew, and that's not a joke, not really. Um, I was raised in the Assemblies of God. I had been taught in Sunday school everything that you could learn. I had witnessed people speaking, speaking in tongues. I had seen baptisms and been involved in these things. But in my life, I did not have a relationship with God. I had every opportunity to have a relationship with God, but because of things in my life, because of decisions that were made by others, because of decisions that I made, I did not have a relationship with God. I could quote scripture better than a lot of people. I could tell you front and backward stories from the Bible. I could answer theological questions, but I did not have a relationship with God. And in my time, I was pursuing things of the world, things that were not of God, I remember sitting in church and imagining someday that I wouldn't have to be there and how I was going to lie to my mother when I was an adult about going to church because I wanted nothing to do with it. I'd heard everything. I'd seen everything. And to me, God was a great idea, but it was not the life that I wanted. Why? Because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I got to a point in my life where I was so far gone, my mom was ready to take me in to be evaluated because the depression was so bad. And it was shortly after this that I had a powerful encounter with God, a transformative encounter with God, and I gave my life to Christ, and it was not like the little prayers that I'd prayed at the altar when I was a child. It was not some magic words. It was God's presence coming into my life. And the difference is, when you come into the presence of God, you do not leave the same. When you come into God's presence, you don't leave feeling like you did something really good and you're happy and maybe you'll work on this and maybe you won't. You leave knowing that something real has happened because the creator of the universe has come down to touch you. And church today, it is so on my heart that God is tired of a church that wanders away and does not long to be with him. The message that God has been speaking to me again and again and again and again is come into my presence, dwell in my presence. This is me every day. This is what God's saying to me. Dwell in my presence. Go deeper. Hunger more. Seek more. Want more. In my presence, you will find joy. My word for the year was joy. And I was like, that's good because last year my word was battle. And it was a battle year. (laughs) 
I was like, woohoo, joy. And the thing that the Lord made clear was it was going to be joy in his presence. It wasn't that my year was going to be cupcakes and rainbows. It was that God's presence was going to be something different. And for us as a church, you know, Pastor Jared the last couple of weeks has been talking about this idea of God's presence, about us being living sacrifices, about us coming and laying ourselves before God. And that's exactly what it is. In Christianity, our faith is a faith of death and of longing. We die and embrace the longing. That hole, that longing, that desire we have in our hearts before Christ that we don't know how to fill, that we cram full of garbage. When we come to know God, when we come to know the truth of God and we lay ourselves down and say, yes, this is the peace that fits it. We give up everything, the scripture tells us. That baptism we do is symbolic of dying with Christ and being born again. And God desires us to live a life of sacrifice. A life where we die daily, as Paul said. I die daily. But many of us do not even begin to comprehend this idea of pursuing God. The scripture tells us in Revelation how God views our faith and how we should live. He tells us in Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. He was talking to the church at Laodicea, and you can read more about this. He says, but since you are lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The church in Laodicea was not living for God. They were living like this. One foot in the world doing whatever they wanted, and the other foot doing just enough to call themselves Christian. And if that isn't a picture of the church, if that isn't a picture of the mediocre faith that so many of us struggle with. And God is saying to us today, and it is so strong in my heart, he is saying to us today that it is time to stop making excuses. It's time to stop living a mediocre life. It's time to stop thinking that we can go about our lives doing and saying whatever we want because God's going to cover it. Because the reality is, is that Christianity, as we've said before, is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. It is not meant to be some nice self-help program to make you seem like a better person and occasionally do the right thing. It's meant to be about you having a deep and passionate and powerful relationship with God that transforms you and through you transforms the world. Job chapter 8, and I have to tell you, Job is my least favorite book in the Bible. It's my least favorite. It's a really good story. Everybody should read it, but because the way Jared and I were having conversations about this when I was reading through it this early this year because I'm doing my Bible reading year. It's my least favorite book in the Bible, but there's really good stuff in there, so you have to read it anyway. Um, Job chapter 8, verses 11, 13, it says, Can papyrus read? Do you know what papyrus is? It's that old paper like the Egyptians used. Can papyrus reeds grow tall without a marsh? Can marsh grass flourish without water? While they are still flowering, not ready to be cut, they begin to wither more quickly than grass. The same happens to all who forget God. The hopes of the godless evaporate. This picture God gave me a few weeks ago when I was reading through Job, that for us as believers, we are like reeds dwelling in his presence. And if we don't stay in the presence of God, we dry up and we die. And there are those in this room that have experienced that death or are experiencing that death in your lives because we have not stayed in the presence of God, that we have lost the longing, or maybe we never had it to begin with. The scriptures tell us, and I'm going to go through a bunch of them quickly here. I know you love it when I do this. 
This is why I don't give slides, because it would just be nonstop screen flashing. Okay. In the book of Psalms, chapter 16, I'm sorry, forget that. Psalm 42. We're going to be in the Old Testament a lot today. And I'm reading these verses because I want you to get a hold of them. I want you to see them. I want you to hold them. I want you to see the words. Psalm 42, verse 1 says, As the deer longs for stream of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? This this picture of thirsting and longing and desire to be before God, like a deer looking for water, not the deer that Sandy hit this week, (laughs) but like a deer going before water. Psalm 84, verses 1 and 2 say, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's army! I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. These people who wrote these psalms, David and then this son of, of Korah, descendant of Korah, those who wrote these songs, understood what it was to be in the presence of God. That's why they write these words. It's just not nice love poetry like you'd write your spouse once in a while. It was a deep and passionate longing for the things of God. Because the thing of it is, is that these, and these writers did not have Christ. This is pre-resurrection. Where to get into God's presence, you couldn't just go in. The closest the last author could get was the doorway to the tabernacle, the doorway to the temple. Couldn't go any further. But just in that doorway, the presence was so real that they wanted to stay there, that they wanted to dwell there. Psalm 43, verse 3 says, Send out your light and truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I'll praise you with my harp, O God, my God. Again, going to the place where God dwells, going into his presence. Hebrews tells us in chapter 7, verse 19, that we can go and be near to God because of Christ. And we've talked about this, and we've talked about this, and we talk about this, that we as Christians, we have this gift that we've been given. And the thing is, is the presence of God is a gift, Time in his presence is a gift. We treat it like a burden, but it is a gift. In the Old Testament, they couldn't just go in. There was so many rules, and they had to sacrifice animals, and there was all these regulations. And so they got just a hint of God's presence from afar. And we have the ability to walk boldly into God's presence. In the Old Testament, we see that the presence of God was visible. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 13. And then we're going to dive into the meat of the the message this week. This is just the introduction. Exodus 13, verses 21 and 22. says, The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or night, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from his place from the front of the people. Now this place in the scriptures, the people of Israel had just been freed from Egypt. And God led them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And they could see God was leading them. They could see the presence of God leading them. They could see he was there. Exodus chapter 24 talks about how that God was a consuming fire on the mountain. 
there was a mountain that the people were to come to and were to go up into worship. And it says that the mountain would be covered with a big cloud. And that cloud became like a consuming fire on the mountain. So when the people looked, they could see God had descended on the mountain. And Moses would go up into that. While the whole community, three million people, would tremble at the presence of the Almighty God, Moses would go up into the cloud, and God would speak to him. And the thing of it is, and we're going to talk about Moses today, is that we, they had this visible revelation of God. They had this visible picture of God's presence. And in, earlier, when we went through Genesis, we just finished Genesis on Wednesday. Like, God would literally appear and speak to people face-to-face. There was this this face-to-face connection that people had with God. And we as believers, we have this. The Lord said that he gave us his spirit to be in us and to dwell with us. And we have God who speaks to us and he's near us. And we can feel and we can sense his presence if we invite him into our lives. And the thing is that these people, they knew that God was with them. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 33. This is going to be the heart of our message today. Moses, if you don't know, Moses was the one chosen by God to free the people from Egypt. They'd gone to Egypt to escape famine, and after years, they were enslaved by the Egyptians. And God had promised them a deliverer would come, and Moses was sent as the deliverer. And Moses was the most unlikely person to be the deliverer because he had trouble speaking. He had a short temper, tells us that at one point he killed an Egyptian in anger. He was not raised in a super religious Jewish home. He was raised in an Egyptian palace among pagans. But God chose Moses to be the one. And God revealed himself to Moses. And many of you know the story of Moses and the burning bush. And when Moses was in God's presence, that is all it took. That one first time was all it took for Moses to get a hold of God. And we're going to read Exodus chapter 33. It says, the Lord said to Moses, and this is where they're getting ready to move on, because if you hear, the, if you know the story, the people of Israel were supposed to go to their promised land, and God was leading them there. And the Lord said to Moses, get going, you and your people. You brought up from the land of Egypt, go to the land, I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I will give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you for your stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. God was a little frustrated with the people of Israel. And when the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning. And stopped wearing their jewelry and fine clothes. For the Lord had told Moses to tell them, You are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I were to travel with you for even a moment, I would destroy you. Remove your jewelry and your fine clothes while I decide what to do with you. So from that time, they left Mount Sinai. The Israelites wore no more jewelry or fine clothes. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request to the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out of the tent and meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrance of their own tents. They would watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover over at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. 
Inside the tent of me, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, God would return to the camp. Moses would return to the camp, but the young men who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind him in the tent of meeting. You see this picture that God was coming to be with them. God was coming to speak to them, but the people were rebellious. The people were stubborn. The people were unwilling to let go of the things that they had become accustomed to in Egypt. Even as slaves, they wanted things their own way. And many of us are no different in our life that God gives us this beautiful freedom, gives us this ability to know him, gives us this ability to be freed from that garbage that we filled our life with. There's an old song, some of you will remember it, says, you took me out of Egypt, now take Egypt out of me. And so many of us want Egypt. We want to keep those things in our lives. We want that, and we trade the gift of God. We trade the presence of God. We barter the presence of God for the things of this world. And we wonder why our life doesn't change. We wonder why we're still in the same circle of sin, while we keep following the same pits, while we keep finding ourselves in the same problems, while we keep ending up in the same dead ends. It's because we have traded the gift of God for the garbage of the world. I mean, imagine someone comes up to you with a beautiful Tiffany blue box. And you can picture what you want inside. Guys, whatever you think. They make everything, okay? And they give you this gift. And they tell you it's for you. No strings attached. Just to bless you. And you take that to Dollar Tree and trade them for something just like it. That's what we do. That's what we do. And going on, says, One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me take these people to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me I know you by name. I look favorably on you. If it is true and you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that, that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know you look favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people apart from all other people on earth. See, Moses knew they needed to God to go with them, not just a messenger, as God had promised to send an angel. He knew that he needed God's presence to go with them because it was the presence of God in the lives of the people of Israel that set them apart from every other nation. And it is that same presence of God in our life that sets us apart from the people and the things of this world. You see lots of people doing good things. What's the difference? We can do all the good things. We can be a little Miss Susie Sunshine, giving away cups of water to those in need. We can be giving clothes to the homeless. We can be doing all these nice things for people. But does it change their lives? What changes lives? Jesus. Jesus is what changes lives. The presence of God changes lives. And it says that Moses desired to know and experience God more fully. The the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you've asked, for I look favorably on you and know you by name. Then Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. Another translation says, show me your glory. Now see, Moses 
had encountered God on the mountain. He'd encountered God in the burning bush. He'd had such a revelation of who God was. God had opened that door to all three million people. If you read in Exodus, his plan was to be visible to three million people. He told them to repent, to clean themselves, to do these things, to get right. And you know what happened? The people said, no, Moses, you go. They rejected God. So Moses got it all. Moses got to have that connection. Moses got to go up into the mountain, into the presence of God. And Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights, it tells us, up there at one point. And he would continually, daily have this relationship with God where God would come and speak to him. And it was never enough. Which is why Moses says, God, show me your glory. And the glory of God often is translated as like a weight. It's like this thing that comes down, this pouring down, this revelation of who God is in just a powerful way. I've been in places where we've experienced a piece of this, and I'm telling you, not a single person in the room was standing on their feet. We laid on our faces and couldn't move, but just weep for joy for the presence of God. Because when I came to faith in the late 90s, God was doing something different in the church at the time. People were getting a hold of what it meant to pursue God getting a hold of what it meant to spend some time at the altars, to spend some time in what we called our prayer closet, our place where we would pray, to spend some time asking God to come and be the God that the Bible says he was and is. That when we prayed, it wasn't just some words, but we prayed in a sense that we were stepping closer to God in our prayers, that we were pursuing God in our prayers, that we come into the presence of God. It was a pursuit God, I'm coming to be with you today. I'm sitting here, but I am moving towards you. Move towards me. This idea that God would come near and speak to us. And it says here that God said, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes you, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I'll remove my hand and let you see me from behind. My face you will not see. That God fulfilled Moses' desire. The presence of God changes people. Before the presence of God was in my life, I tried to solve my own problems all the time. I tried to do everything on my own the time. I tried to live the life I wanted to live by the standards that the world had set. After the presence of God came into my life, I lost the taste for those things. It's like people who give up chemicals, and then you have something with chemicals in them, like the strong chemical. You give up artificial sweetener, and then you drink that artificial sweetener, and you're like, why did I ever drink this artificial sweetener? Or that's what my husband says every time he sips one of my artificial sweeteners. He's like, why would you ever drink this? You lose a taste for the things of the world. You lose a taste for those things. Those things that were so important are no longer so important. And you find yourself cleaning out your house, filling bags with movies and books and garbage that you don't need. You find yourself simplifying the things that you own because you really don't need all this stuff. You find trying to make a way for you to be more useful in your time. Because you realize the things that matter are not the things that the world values. Exodus chapter 34 
verses 29 through 35 tells us that Moses was so changed by the presence of God that he glowed. He'd come down from the presence of God and his face would shine and it terrified the people. So he would put a veil over his face. God changes us. He changes us. He changes our thoughts. He changes our values. He changes the things we want. Malachi chapter 3 verse 3 says that God comes in like a refiner's fire and a fuller soap. Some translations say like bleach. That he comes in and he, as we go into God's presence, we talked about that fire coming and consuming us. The fire of God comes and starts to burn in our lives. And all of those impurities start to come up. All of those things in our life that God does not want in our lives. The things that we think and we say and we value that don't matter come up. And God says, I want you to get rid of these things. Because if we honestly want to know how to get into the presence of God... The pathway to God's presence has and always will be repentance. Psalm chapter 24, verses 3 and 4 says, Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. And there's lots of verses I could have used, but this picture that to go into the presence of God, that when we first step there and we come and we come before God, whether you come here on Sunday or daily in your home, as we should be praying and seeking God daily. If you don't long for God daily, your faith is not in the right place. If God is just something to do, your faith is not in the right place. Your values are not the things that God values. And the beginning of that is to repent, to come before God and to confess those sins, to repent of those things that we're putting in front of him and say, God, these things, Lord, I lay myself down today. I lay myself down as a living sacrifice today. I lay myself down before you. I ask you to search me. David prayed this, search my heart, O God. Know my inward thoughts. Create in me a clean heart, God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from your presence. He prayed these things because he understood the value of being in the presence of God and that to begin, we have to lay ourselves down and to come before God and ask him to make us pure and holy before him. And we have that through Christ. We have that through salvation. We have that through the blood of Jesus. And we begin there, God, search me and know me. And we surrender to him and ask him to come and to be with us and speak to us. Speak to me through your word today. Speak to me as I sit here. Speak to me today, God. And we ask him to speak to us. We ask him to be with us. We ask him to draw near to us. And we wait in his presence. We wait in his presence. Something we're really bad at. We wait in his presence. And the Lord draws near as we read. The Lord draws near as we pray. And the Lord begins to speak to us. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3 says, People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord is teaching will go out from Zion, and the world will go out from Jerusalem. This picture that as we go into God's presence, he will show us his ways. If you want to know how to live right, we go to God. 
And when we go into God's presence, he begins to show us the things that we need to change. He begins to show us those things that we need to fix. He begins to make clear the things in our life that are not in line with him. And I don't say, and, and if you think that going before God, he's just going to punish you and beat you over the head about what an idiot you're being. That's not it. Okay? Because the thing you discover is that God's love and his grace and his mercy abound. And that, yes, you're going to find yourself wanting to let go of things and you're going to want to change things. But you're going to want more of what you're experiencing. You're going to want more of God and it's going to overflow in you and the love that you are going to feel for others. And the desire you're going to have to be in the presence of God increases. So suddenly that person you're really mad at, you could care less. Because you understand how God loves them. Because you understand the big picture of how God desires them. The things in your life that seem so crazy become different. I used to hate to pay bills. Used to hate to pay bills. Bills stressed me out. Stressed me out where the money was coming from. Stressed me out that I had to give this money to this person. Stressed me out to pay for this. I love paying bills. I have joy when I pay my bills. I enjoy paying bills. Do you know why? Because God's paying those bills. Because God's providing. Because it shows on paper the faithfulness of God in my life. Do you know why I have that attitude? Because I got in God's presence and God changed my heart about it. And it's simple things. Simple things. We learn to be grateful for things that we hate. We learn to love things that we despised. Because we get a perspective of what God has in it. And so I encourage you today... To find that presence, to pursue the things of God, to come first and repent. And we'll take some time here in a minute if the worship team can come back and just ask God to search you. And if you are not longing for him, you ask him to make you hungry. You ask him to make you thirsty. You ask him to give you that passion for him. And I 100% guarantee he will because I'm someone who didn't have it. I didn't have it. I didn't have the passion that Moses had to climb the mountain. I didn't have the passion that David had to sacrifice and dance as the presence of God came back to the temple. I didn't have the passion that Mary had when she broke cultural norms and she sat at the feet of Jesus. But I do now because God transformed me when I came to faith. Because God showed me when I came to faith. Because God showed me when I came forward and I laid myself down and I said, yes, God, this is what I need in my life. And that's what he wants, people, that we pursue him above all else.